So who's in the mood for some good news on this Thursday, huh? Anyone out there? Because we sure got some good news to start off the show today. And no, I'm not talking about all the great things happening at Newcastle Casino. That's where I'm at today. No, 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 no. I've even got better news than that. Recruiting fans, Dylan Edwards, who we constantly talk about. He's my favorite recruit in this upcoming recruiting Wow, your favorite? You you know that he's my favorite. I no, I, I didn't know he was your absolute favorite. Yes. This is news to me. I have a soft spot for five foot nine, one hundred and sixty five pound running backs from Derby, Kansas, Parker, who are the fastest guy out in the field. Yeah. And okay. per you okay. per you about three minutes ago to me, uh, <laughs> Dylan Edwards will be a confirmed visitor in Norman this weekend. That is correct. That can't be that can't be a bad thing. No, it cannot be, and it'll be his first return trip to Norman since he visited on January 29th and picked up the OU offer. Look, I I'm curious to see how the running back situation in this class for the Sooners shakes out because they're in a great spot for Trey Wisner. They're in a great spot for Dylan Edwards. I, there are people in OU circles, people that I talk with that maintain OU's in it for Richard Young. I don't Woo-hoo. know if I, I don't know if I buy that, Woo. but I do think that between Wisner and Dylan Edwards, you have two guys that I think should be committed and have their decisions out of the way by the time their senior seasons roll around. So it might not be too much longer here, maybe only a few more months before you know who you're getting at the running back position in this class of 2023 in Norman. Is there a chance that we know in 72 hours at least one of them? I'm I'm going to go ahead and say no. I don't think Dylan Edwards is coming down to pull the trigger. I don't. Um, He has expressed that he wants to take some more visits. He wants to release a top schools list. He wants to take his officials. Because at this point, if he commits tomorrow – Tyler, he never gets to take an official visit. Sure. Yeah, you want to take your official visits, regardless of how sold you are on any particular institution. I mean, look look at Caden Green, Tyler. OU has a massive lead for Caden Green and has for quite a while. I have said, and many others believe as well, that it's going to take an astronomical effort to be able to pry Caden Green away from Bill Biedenboe and Brent Venables. But... Caden Green insists on taking all five of his officials because you only go through this process once, right? You might as well make the most of it yeah. while you can. Yeah, sure. I think there was, what, another crystal ball or two in for Caden Green, I think, in the past 24 hours or so to OU, so that's not too surprising. But I love that news about Dylan Edwards, man. Four-star. Again, five foot nine, 165 out of Derby, Kansas. Parker saw him in Texas a few weeks ago, and he was the fastest guy out on the field. And it's tough, man, at – you know, these camps with all these legit three-star prospects and four-star prospects on the field, it, it's tough to be that dude that stands out. Now, he stands out because he's not very big. That's one. But Parker, he stands out just because of how blazing fast he is. And he's a small guy, sure. He might be the smallest guy that OU would sign in this class if they get that commit. But he would probably be the fastest dude that they've gotten to maybe several recruiting classes. No, I would tend to agree, and that's that's why Dylan Edwards has interest from 30 FBS schools. It's because he's just got that kind of speed. There are guys with speed. There are guys that are breakaway threats. Dylan Edwards is one of those guys where you can legitimately see him being in Tyreek Hill-type territory 
if he can continue to pack on muscle and he can continue to get even just a little bit faster, knock a couple hundredths off that 40 time. But, man, in space, he is as slippery and as tough to tackle, as elusive as anybody. He's one of those guys, you know, you hear it's the old adage, they're tough to bring down in a phone booth. That's what Dylan Edwards is. So he is elite in terms of his speed and elusiveness. Truly, truly elite. And that's what sets him apart. Yeah. Hey, text line. Uh, we need some help here. 405-651-3439. I'm not, like, necessarily pushing some narrative here. I'm, I'm honestly just curious on what everyone thinks. Because I'd say probably a year ago, Parker, there were some fans out there that were questioning – DeMarco Murray's ability to recruit and and maybe it was a dumb thing to say then I'm just curious if that's changed now what everyone thinks of DeMarco as a running backs coach and a recruiter because Javante Barnes I mean we we talk about names that a pop during spring he's got to be at the top of the list we'll see Gavin Sawchuk here a little bit later so he signed two good backs in this previous class and no he hasn't inked anyone in this next one but we feel good about several guys here like Hit us up on the text line. I'm, I'm curious, Parker, how much the narrative, if there was one, has switched on to Marco as a, as a running backs coach. Yeah, no, that narrative was very quickly put to rest when DeMarco locked down Gavin Sawchuk and things started to trend in OU's direction for Javante Barnes. The Kamar Wheaton saga, that was where everyone kind of started to get a bad taste in their mouths with regard to DeMarco Murray as a recruiter, which it was, it was an overreaction. It was always an overreaction. When Kamar Wheaton committed to Alabama, DeMarco had been on the job less than a year. He had joined the staff in January. That was the following December that Kamar Wheaton committed. So he hadn't had that much time. That obviously was the recruiting cycle that was most significantly affected by COVID-19. And so to a certain extent, you had to give DeMarco the benefit of the doubt and you had to give him a little bit of grace as he adjusted and got his feet underneath him and dealt with circumstances that made recruiting difficult on every coaching staff across the country. And for those that were calling for DeMarco's head after he didn't get Kamar Wheaton, again, as soon as the Sooners started to trend for Gavin Sawchuk and Javante Barnes, that's when everybody realized, okay, you know what? That seemed absurd at the time. It seems all the more absurd now. Sure. Yeah, and text lines agreeing with you right now. DeMarco got a bad rep because of Kamar Wheaton, and we all know how weird that kid is. And I I, I have a similar situation, not to totally go off topic here, but how some people ran with a maybe a crazy narrative after the Kamar Wheaton situation. I feel like that happened a little bit after the LT Overton situation, saying, oh, God, I mean, is OU ever going to get a five-star defensive lineman with this staff? Um, is OU ever going to beat A&M for a defensive lineman? I think so. I just think that those were two very unique situations there. Kamar Wheaton's situation, way more unique than the LT Overton situation. I'm just never going to get a big reaction about a staffer or a an entire staff, Parker, based on one individual player. And Kamar Wheaton is... Like you're saying, is a perfect example of that. Yeah, well, and I, I think the criticism was that, well, DeMarco Murray put all his eggs in the basket with Kamar Wheaton. But you also have to keep in mind, could the Sooners really have foreseen what would transpire as far as the depth in their running back room thereafter when they didn't lock down Kamar Wheaton? Because Ramondre Stevenson left a year early for the NFL draft. You had T.J. Pledger transfer to Utah. 
you had Seth McGowan kicked off the team uh, after the, after he was connected to that armed robbery that occurred last April. And so in the span of four months, you lost three scholarship running backs. You could argue one of those you could have foreseen. The other two, not so much. And so DeMarco Murray yeah. didn't know any more than anybody else that he was going to be behind the eight ball in terms of depth in his position group. It's just one of those things I, that, you know, it, it was the imperfect storm. I expected DeMarco to do exactly what he's doing. That's on the text line. Yeah, he is um, He's recruiting at a high level right now. And, and watch out because I, I think we both feel like he's going to land, you know, two more pretty good running backs in this class and who knows about the future. Here, here's one. Is OU in the mix for D.C. native Nicholas Harbor? We've talked about him before. He's – you were talking about elite speed. I, I saw an article earlier this week. This dude has elite speed. But the last time I talked, you weren't very confident about OU's chances for him. And I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm still – look, OU kissed that one goodbye when Jamar Kane walked out the doors of the facility for the last time. That was when OU's chances with Nicholas Harbor died. Would it be great to have an athlete like that? Certainly. Is that a guy that you – I mean, th- th- there will be 10 to 12 programs – that are pulling out all of the stops to get Nicholas Harbor on their campus because there might not be a more physically dominant player in this class, save maybe for DJ Hicks, than Nicholas Harbor. But he's not going to be coming to Oklahoma. Yeah. This has got to be – I know who this is. Five foot nine, small guy, extremely fast, Bixby. Screw you, Riley. So is Muleshoe getting all the hate now for not, uh, for not offering Cole Adams? Or, or excuse me, no, they're talking about Braylon Presley. Yeah, yeah I was about yeah, to say. Yeah, I was about yeah, to say. Yeah, I think yeah. that's, that's well, in reference I, I'm to Braylon so, Presley. I, I'm getting used to so many Cole Adams texts every single day now, Parker. That <laughs> that's understandable. When I see five foot nine, I just think uh, of oh, okay. Yeah, uh, Cole, Cole Adams' situation might be uh, might be worth monitoring over the next couple of weeks. Sounds like maybe really? maybe 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 things might be moving back in a positive direction here. I'm hesitant to even mention that because I don't want to get people's hopes up for nothing. But I I came across some new intel last night, and suffice it to say, I don't think this thing is dead in the water between OU and Cole Adams. How about that? Okay. All right. Looking up here. Okay, again, Looking I just, just, just want to clarify. Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> don't get your hopes up. Just saying late. that's on the table. Hey, speaking of uh, Oklahoma kids, I was combing through the new 24-7 rankings for the 2024 class. Uh, the state of Oklahoma got shut out. Unless you want to count David Stone, four-star defensive lineman. He is from the state of Oklahoma, but he's going to play at IMG Academy this year. The number 33 overall prospect. That's pretty big time. Were you surprised that there were no Oklahoma kids at all in this in this newest uh, 24 rankings? I was not terribly shocked. I think the 2024 class across the state is a lot lighter as far as talent across the board. Now, in 2025, I would expect you will have quite a few Oklahomans in the top 24-7 when those inaugural class rankings get released a year from now. 2025 is dense with FBS Power 5 talent across the OK Preps ranks. So that is the class. I, I'll go as far as to say that may be the best class. That may end up being the best class that the state of Oklahoma has produced in the last decade plus. It's going to be a really good class.
Las Vegas Sooner says, enjoy the show, boys, despite T-Row's unwillingness to acknowledge the name of the show. DeMarco, nothing changed in my mind. Dude has credibility, knows what it takes to be successful at all levels, and not let's not forget U of A players love him. I also put stock into what Teddy has said all along. He is a big-time recruiter and coach. I, I agree with the with the previous text that DeMarco's doing exactly what I thought he was going to what I thought he was going to do. I thought in due time he was going to be a really good recruiter. And I, I think as of right now, is he known as the best recruiter on staff, Parker? No, maybe not. But he's he's still a, an extremely valuable asset to the staff right now. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, the best best recruiter on this staff right now is Todd Bates. No question about it. And I would say the the most effective the most effective recruiter on this staff will always be whoever is the quarterback's coach because the University of Oklahoma will never have any semblance of an issue recruiting quarterbacks. That will never change. No matter how long Jeff Lebby is here, Oklahoma is never going to struggle to bring in elite quarterbacks, ever. Yeah, I, I agree, man. Right, it's locked in right here on The Ref. I'm live at Newcastle Casino. I-44, exit 107. They've got off-track betting, 18 betting stations, 12 flat-screen TVs, and you know what? You can even catch the Masters out here at Newcastle Casino as well. More of your text on the other side. What's some spring football intel with this OU team? We'll tell you coming up next right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune on the ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. I'm live at Newcastle Casino, where if you earn 20, you can get 20 on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Earn 20 points on your real rewards card and receive a $20 bonus play. That's here at Newcastle Casino, I-44, exit 107. So I was reading an article today, uh, Parker, on 24-7 Sports, and it had you know, some spring intel on some high-profile players across the country. Quinn Ewers was on there. Uh, Jaden Daniels at LSU was on there. Uh, Bo Nix at Oregon was on there. They didn't have any OU players listed and, and what they're hearing about spring. So I thought that we would bring a handful of players to the table and kind of go back and forth with what we're hearing. And since this was a very quarterback-heavy article, we can start with the quarterback at OU, Dylan Gabriel, Parker, I've heard that this guy, he may not be the leader of the team. That sounds like it's Braden Willis. But it sounds like he is a leader of this offense. And when it comes to being a calm, cool, collected quarterback, that's that's exactly what Dylan Gabriel has been so far through, what, eight spring practices or however many they've had up to this point. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, that's a trait you need to have at the quarterback position. And you think back to... The great Oklahoma teams of old as recently as 2017 and 2018, and 2019 for that matter, when they went to -to back-to-back-to-back college football playoffs, the common denominator was outstanding leadership at the quarterback position. And not to say that Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams weren't leaders, but I think there was a very clear difference and a clear discrepancy between the level of leadership on which Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts operated. You just don't find leaders like those guys. Sure. And in, in a they, ter- all, they yeah, all had ahead. no they all had different styles. Like Baker was radically different from Kyler and Kyler was radically different from Jalen. But you never question whose team it was. 
And I think that's the dynamic that I'm looking for, for from Oklahoma in 2022. Does Dylan Gabriel need to be the most outspoken, most vociferous member of this locker room and member of this offense? No, not necessarily. Kyler Murray never was. But I do think what I would like to see is I would like to see Oklahoma football come to the point, and it could happen sooner, it could happen later, I don't know when it happens, but I just want there to be a unanimous public perception. I want there to be able to be that unanimous public perception that the team belongs to Dylan Gabriel, and they are 100% yeah. behind him, and he is the guy that they're going to war behind. Yeah, he um, he conducts himself like a starting quarterback. I mean, he... That's not a surprise. He's played a lot of college football. It doesn't shock me at all that he conducts himself as a dude that's played a, a lot of ball at this level. But in terms of arm talent and, and what he's shown throughout the spring, Parker, I, I'm willing to say that you know what you hope he would show so far, I think fans would be pretty happy what he's been up to this point. I, I, and who knows what happens during the games. But up to this point, I think he's been everything you hoped and maybe even a little bit more than that. I would say so, certainly. And sure, you know, you can only you can only do so much in terms of judging a guy on two and a half weeks of spring practice at this point. So we'll have a much better idea of just how comfortable Dylan Gabriel is in this offense when we see him in the spring game in an exhibition environment on April 23rd. And then obviously once the fall rolls around and they get closer and closer to game action and that in-game environment. But encouraged with what we've seen thus far from Dylan Gabriel and what I'm continuing to hear about him. By the way, text line, if uh, you got a name you want us to, to throw around, uh, text at 405-651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions text line. A dude that you've been high on, and after kind of asking around, after you said it initially, I'm, I'm right there with you, dude. Javante Barnes, he may not be running back one when the season starts, but in terms of guy on the roster with the highest ceiling, <laughs> it, it, may be, it may be the true freshman, dude. Look, the consensus is that Javante Barnes is already the most complete back in that backfield. I've said it before. Mm -hmm. As with any true freshman, the question becomes how quickly can he adapt to the speed of the collegiate game when you're talking about an actual game situation as opposed to just practice – and how quickly can he grasp his role and learn the playbook as well? Javante Barnes has the opportunity to be really special for Oklahoma in 2022. And look, nobody, I, I shouldn't say nobody, there comes along a superhuman every now and again. But I don't know if we will ever see any freshman running back at Oklahoma accomplish what Adrian Peterson did in, 24, in 2004 and what Samaj P. Ryan did in 2014 in terms of productivity. But I think Javante Barnes is poised to have a year akin to what we saw from Trey Sermon in 2017, where you maybe at the, at the beginning of the year you don't expect him to be a hugely significant factor in the backfield picture, at least not if you're a casual fan, but, you know, pe people that know, know. They know what he's capable of, and they know that once he sees the field, he's going to be really tough to keep off the field. And I think Javante Barnes is ultimately going to be a guy that, in terms of his role in the offense, in terms of his productivity, in terms of his ability to impact the game, he's going to be similar to what Rodney Anderson was for the Sooners in that same 2017 season when he – I don't even think he had 200 carries that year, but he rushed for almost 1,200 yards and scored double-digit touchdowns. 
Yeah, home run potential. That, that's what you got here. And, and OU's been, you know, fine at running back here recently, but who's the last guy that you say, okay, this dude had home run potential every time he touches the football? Now, maybe that's, you know, way too soon to say that on Javante Barnes. I'm just saying that he has that potential right now. I don't know who you would say, Parker, is the last guy where we thought, all right, at any given spot on the field, this dude has a chance to take it to the house. But I do think by the time it's all said and done for Barnes, he's he's got a chance to be that guy at running back, and it feels like it's been a while since they've had one of those dudes. He is he is a home run threat whenever he touches the ball. And the thing about Javante Barnes is, look, we, we were talking about Dylan Edwards last segment. Dylan Edwards is obviously a home run threat every time he touches the ball because he can break away. Javante Barnes can break away as well, but that's not his entire game. He, he can bow up and bowl you over. He's more than capable of that. He can, miss, he can make you miss a variety of different ways, and that's why I use the word complete because that's the word that I've heard used to describe Javante Barnes time and time again. He is a complete back. There are so many different facets of the game in which he excels in so many different ways that he can beat you as a defender. Text line says, how is Jaleel Farouk doing the spring? I'm hearing very, very positive things about Jaleel Farouk. I am still going to project. I got really excited about that Jaleel Farouk catch two days ago. That's what we opened the show with, that one-handed touchdown grab. I'm still projecting Marvin Mims as wide receiver one. But, you know, Parker, we've seen some past years where, you know, whoever the leading receiver is, there's a massive gap between that dude and the next guy, the number two receiver. I don't think that there's going to be a massive gap between if Marvin Mims is the number one receiver, he may be, but if he is, I bet it's probably a pretty slim margin between him and a guy like Jaleel Farouk. I would say so, and look, there are those who believe, there are people I've talked to that believe Jaleel Farouk is actually going to have a bigger year than Marvin Mims. Now, I'm not necessarily in that camp, I think you're going to see Jalil Farouk break out, certainly. But in my mind, there's a little question. Marvin Mims is the go-to guy in this offensive attack. What you do have in Farouk, though, is you kind of have the complete package at wide receiver. Speed, size, ball skills. Maybe there's nothing that's truly elite about his game, but he is solidly above average in just about every facet. And that versatility in terms of his game at the wide receiver position, that's what's going to make him so valuable. Oh, here's a guy. In, I think he met. Did he meet with the media yesterday? Maybe, but he was expected to step right in on the offensive line um, coming out of Tennessee. And if you want to call it a disappointing year last year, that's fine. But is Wanye Morris ready to step in as a starter? Is he ready to be the dude that you thought that you were going to get coming out of Knoxville? I think he will start. I think it'll be him and Anton Harrison that are the starting tackles. Now, as far as the type of impact he has, I don't know. I think a lot of that depends on Jerry Schmidt. I really do. Wanye Morris is going to be one of those guys. Him and I think Bray Walker are going to be the two most intriguing case studies as to the impact that Jerry Schmidt has on this Oklahoma offensive line because – Naturally, they're going to be much better conditioned. You're going to have to be if you're running Jeff Levy's offense and snapping the ball every 20 to 25 seconds. But with what Bray Walker has done, or rather hasn't done, in his four years in Norman, Oklahoma, 
And for Wanya Morris, a guy that started for two years at Tennessee, was preseason All-Big 12 when he transferred in, and then didn't make a start at all last year for Oklahoma. It's going to be those two guys, Morris and Walker, guys that have all the potential in the world, that were five-star prospects. I want to say that those two and Theo Weiss are actually the only former five-stars on the roster right now for Oklahoma. But when you're looking at those two guys – I think if Schmitty can unlock the potential in those two, I think Morris more so than Walker. But I think they both have the opportunity to take things to a level that we haven't seen from either of them. And obviously we've seen much better football historically from Morris than we have from Walker because we just really haven't seen much of Bray Walker at all. But that Wanye Morris that you saw start and be a factor at Tennessee in 2019 and 2020 I'm curious as to how quickly he gets back to that level for the Sooners. And if he's immediately at that level when the 2022 season dawns, you feel really good about the offensive line as a whole. Yeah, it seems like the the offensive line's definitely had its moments so far throughout spring, but the defensive line's, you know, had their way with the offensive line at times as well. And, And maybe when this offensive line goes quick, when they go up tempo, gets the defense on their heels a little bit, maybe that's where they'll be best this year, but... Can't go up tempo on uh, every single play, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how this offensive line develops throughout the year. Um, here's another one: Shane Witter is going to be a beast, man. 2020, he showed a lot of promise, especially towards the tail end of the season. I feel like that game in Lubbock that was a blowout. He had a couple of nice plays, but seemingly regressed in 2021. Um, there were some rumors that maybe he wasn't taking care of the things that he needed to be taken care of. I'll be totally honest, Parker, I haven't heard a lot about Shane Witter, but I'm sure he's like several other guys with the linebackers right now that is in big-time competition to be one of the dudes. Yeah, it's easy to lose track of Witter amongst all the other linebackers. Here's what I do know. Shane Witter is the fastest player on the team as of right now. He is the fastest player on the team. When they tested... Earlier this spring, he ran the fastest 40-yard dash of any player on either side of the ball. And there are some dudes in that locker room, Tyler, that can move. So for Shane Witter to outpace all of them in the 40-yard dash, that means something. I do think with his ability to cover the field, and that's where that speed comes into play, he is a guy that could see some reps. But, man, especially at the linebacker position in Brent Venable's defense, it's going to come down – to who can grasp the mental side of playing oh, no doubt, that man. position. And guys more so are sw- than the some other guys. guys are swimming right now, especially these newcomers. That's expected, but it's going to be a complex defense to pick up, man. Yeah. So, it, look, if Shane Witter can adjust faster than his peers in that linebacker room, sure, he'll make an impact. But, uh, I mean, there are eight, nine guys at that position right now that you could say have a decent chance to see solid playing time. Yeah. All right, we're live at Newcastle Casino. Off-track betting, they have it. 18 betting stations, 12 flat-screen TVs. I think I'm sitting by one right now. They uh, Off-track betting, you can come out here and do it at Newcastle Casino. Happy hour, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 p.m., 350 Buds, Bud Light, and Michelob Ultra cans, as well as $5 well drinks. Come join the fun, Newcastle Casino, I-44, exit 107. More to come next on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune on the ref. We are the Homeless Sooner fans. Newcastle Casino is where I'm hanging out today. I-44, exit 107. Teddy will be joining me here at the top of the hour. 
Man, big recruiting weekend for a lot of schools. What Dylan Raiola is going to be at Nebraska this weekend. Uh, Clemson's got a spring game. Florida State's got a spring game. Nebraska's got a spring game. Auburn and A&M both have a spring game. Iowa State, Parker, has a Friday night spring game. Florida has a spring game next Thursday, which is really unique. Now, anything could happen with the new coaching staff, but in year one, the spring game is in the afternoon at 3 p.m. We all loved the Friday night move a few years ago to have it. I kind of feel like, though, seeing as it's going to be so family-oriented, I don't I don't really feel like we're going to have a Saturday night spring game or a Friday night spring game in the future. I'm going to guess that Brent Venables is probably going to keep it Saturday afternoons. I, look, if you're not dealing with inclement weather, which I get is an extenuating circumstance, are like are you as an athletic department taking football seriously if you're holding your spring game on a Thursday? It's a little what weird, on earth man. is it's... that? Now it will be on. I think it's on the SEC Network, and maybe that was because I, I can't believe that they move it to Thursday to be on like the SEC Network. But you're right, man. Like Oklahoma State's not even having a spring game. It's a glorified practice. I don't even think Iowa is having a spring game. To which I say. I don't know, man. I, I I think you're kind of behind these days, Parker. If you're not if you're not making that a big recruiting weekend, if you're not making that a big revenue weekend, and I know that not everyone can do that, make it a big revenue weekend. You got to have a want for people to show up. But I'm surprised it's not more of a thing across the country, even for the even for the big boys out there. Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to who takes advantage of it because the reality is, it like that is the one day of your spring season that everybody is watching your program. Like people are keeping up, sure. You've got the people on the uh with the subscriptions of the insider sites keeping up with the rumblings and the roster moves, the depth charts, all of that. But for one day, the spring game, you roll out your team, offense versus defense, pit them against one another, and everybody's engaged, right? Everybody's paying attention it's it's in the public eye as opposed to just having your beat reporters post videos and photos and reports from practice. No, people actually get to see with their own two eyes your football team and the direction that your football team's headed in. And it can be highly significant for recruiting purposes as well. And the programs that leverage that, Tyler – are the programs that are going to be able to build recruiting momentum throughout the summer, which can have significant ramifications down the line. Yeah, no, it really can. Hey, by the way, a Jai Hall, Alabama wide receiver, talked about him a couple days ago. Uh, per Nick Saban, suspended for violation of team rules. I think OU was uh, in on his recruitment pretty late. He is not showing up on the online roster, so briefly we – tossed around the idea of OU taking a look at a Jai Hall. You and I agreed at the time. I'm even more confident now. I I don't think that OU at this time would take a guy like a Jai Hall that has been suspended for five. And Parker, too, they don't need help at wide receiver right now. They're they're fine. They're okay. I I, I can see them adding a receiver via the portal. I'll say that. Is it a Jai Hall or somebody that has his checkered past? No. But I could I could see them making another addition at wide out. I think 
They have two scholarships that are still outstanding because they didn't get LT Overton and they didn't get Micaiah Overton. One of those scholarships is reserved for a quarterback. They're going to bring in a quarterback. I know yep. this for a fact. Who the other scholarship gets allotted to, that's kind of more the question. Does Justin Harrington earn it back maybe? Or do they bring in another portal player? We'll see. Uh, I'm uh, We're all rooting for Justin Harrington to get his scholarship back, right? Or no? I think so. Tech, text line. What do you what, what do you think? What what uh, what are you rooting for there? For him to for this to turn out to be a good story. He he left the team last year. He comes back, has to change his jersey number, loses his scholarship. Are you rooting for the feel good story? Or are you saying, nah, I'm good. He quit on the team last year. Um, I don't really have any sympathy for him. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. By the way, uh, someone on the text line asking us where. We got those over-unders yesterday. By the way, where would you guys get the over-under wins at 9? I see it at 11 on Sportsbook Online. Yeah, that wasn't official. That was just uh, Bud Elliott of 24-7 Sports projecting that OU's win total was going to be at 9, which it's total crap, and we're proven right about that a day later that someone else, Parker, is seeing two more wins on Sportsbook Online. Now, I'm a little bit surprised that it's at 11. That's a pretty high number. I thought it would be at 10.5 or maybe even 10, but that just proves how stupid of an opinion that was. Does anyone actually believe that this team's only going to win nine games? Um, In the Big 12? I don't think anyone would bet on that. Like, I don't even think Bud Elliott would actually seriously bet and say, yeah, I think OU's only going to win nine games. I'll actually put money on it to prove it. No way. So how much money are you putting on the Sooners over nine wins? However much I have. Can I check my <laughs> bank statement and tell you? I mean, seriously. If Dylan Gabriel stays healthy, they're going to win more than nine games. Guys, we think the offseason conditioning has been better. We think the coaching staff is better than it was a year ago. The schedule, I mean, there's some tough games in it for sure, but it's it's pretty light for most standards. I, I just think something would have to go drastically wrong for, for OU to lose four games next season. I mean, let's get real here. They, bar, barring injury to Dylan Gabriel, and I think Travis Davidson mentioned that yesterday when we had him on, the only way I can see that happening is if Dylan Gabriel gets hurt. That is the one That's scenario it. in which – Okay, you can see a world in which things fall apart for this program. That's it. Yeah, like if Marvin Mims were to get hurt, okay, that's a setback. That stinks. Um, it's going to have some negative effects. But Jaleel Farouk can step up. I mean, you guys know all the wide receivers. You'll be fine there. Eric Gray goes down. Uh, you might have to put Javante Barnes running back number one before you want to, but they'll figure it out. They'll be okay. Offensive line, I don't think that there's just one dude there that you cannot afford to have. Jalen Redmond would be a tough hit up front, but they got other guys across the line. That's it, man. That's it. If Dylan Gabriel stays healthy, I think this team will win the Big 12 next year, bar none. I, I, who's going to beat them? Who's going to be? That's my question. At this point, who's going to beat them? Because Baylor lost a lot. Iowa State lost a lot. Oklahoma State lost a lot. Are we going to see drastic drop-offs from those three programs? Maybe not, but to have the expectation that they're going to be as good as they were last year, and obviously Iowa State wasn't even that good last year, but to have the expectation that they're going to sustain the level of play that we saw from them a year ago rather than regress to the mean, I, I would lean toward them regressing to the mean. 
Yeah, um, I, I still think Baylor's going to be really good, but I also think OU's going to be better equipped to play a team like Baylor. Like, I don't think it's going to be a repeat of last year. I don't think Baylor's just going to be able to line up, run it right at you. You're not going to be able to stop it. And then they're just going to be able to line up and shut down your run game. It's going to be hard to run the ball against Baylor again next year. I still think that they're going to be really good, but I just think OU's in a better situation to defend Baylor than they were uh, a year ago. Text line says we won 11 last year with the coach taking interviews during the season. Nine is ludicrous. And let me read some of these on the Justin Harrington thing. I am for uh, Harrington getting a scholarship again. If he continues to work hard, everyone deserves a second chance. This text says I had the win total at 69. Funny. Harrington did not rob or pistol whip anyone. So, yes, he deserves a shot at redemption. He's not the only one that quit on the team last year. That's another one. So Oof. I would I would Oof. say most people are rooting for him. Oof. Subtle burn. Love it. I hope more sportscasters predict that OU only wins seven games in the Big 12. Yeah, me too, because I will bet on it. Well, I hope some casinos start putting that number out, because I'm going to get rich this football season. Uh, I assure you of that. All right, we've got one final segment of Locked In live from Newcastle Casino, I-44, exit 107. We'll get to more of your text, more Sooner football on the other side. Keep it locked on the ref. Final segment, locked in with McComas and Thune, Newcastle Casino, I-44, exit 107. Happy hour, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 p.m., 350 Budweiser, Bud Light, Michelob Ultra Cans, $5 well drinks as well. Come out and watch the Masters. Newcastle Casino, I-44, exit 107. All right, let's get to some text before we get out of here. Um, Actually, first, let's do this, and we'll get more in-depth on it tomorrow. Is this going to be a big recruiting weekend at all for for OU, Parker, or the next two weekends kind of the calm before the storm, before the spring game? Yeah, definitely the calm before the storm, before the spring game. Now, you do have a five-star visitor this weekend, Sammy Brown, the consensus number one linebacker in the 2024 class out of Georgia. We already mentioned Dylan Edwards. Those two are kind of the headliners. I'm sure you'll have a couple other stragglers uh, that end up coming to campus as well. not really sure on who those are, but, you know, there are always a few that – no, you don't really anticipate them being on campus. There's nothing to indicate that they will be on campus, and then, boom, they show up on any given weekend. So uh, Dylan Edwards, Sammy Brown, those are the ones we know for sure are going to be in town. And then beyond that, it's just, you know, it's they, they won't be the only ones. I'm comfortable asserting that. I just don't know who the other ones are going to be. Next weekend, I offhand, I can't think of any that will be in town. I'm Again, I'm sure there will be a few. Uh, but the spring game on April 23rd, that's the next real big weekend. Is Colin Simmons coming to the spring game? Yes, he that's will on be the there. Text line. Colin Simmons, four-star edge rusher out of Duncanville High School in Texas. Recent OU offer. He has not visited campus yet, but he will be at the spring game, yes. It was disappointing, or it is disappointing, that LT Overton's not going to be here for the spring game, Parker. But... I think we have to hammer it home that that's still going to be a massive recruiting weekend. It's not going to be as big with a five-star defensive lineman there that, you know, theoretically could have committed to you a few days after the fact. But that weekend was always going to be more about LT Overton. He was just going to get the most hype. There's still going to be a lot of names in, in town that weekend. Absolutely. And 
this is kind of the new normal at Oklahoma. We all kind of figured, and we had reason to believe that, okay, maybe OU is just really going to concentrate on a few weekends in the spring, a couple weekends in the summer, and a couple weekends in the fall where they host a whole lot of visitors. And generally that's been true. You've had some weekends that are heavier than others. Obviously, the 5th and the 26th of March were really big ones. The 29th of January was similar. But just about every weekend, Tyler, it seems like we've been talking about at least a few high-profile visitors on campus. Yeah, and uh, that is going to continue. By the way, someone sent me some uh, over-unders via, I believe it's DraftKings. OU is listed at 11. OU has the same over-under. This is interesting, man, because, again, casinos aren't into hot takes. Casinos are into, you know, real numbers. I mean, they have a lot on the line for the over-unders that they put out. And I said all the way back a couple months ago is that I think that Vegas is going to have a little bit different opinion on OU this year than some of these other national riders. At least DraftKings does right now. Listen to this, Parker. Bama's at 11.5. Clemson's at 11.5. Ohio State's at 11. And Oklahoma's at 11. Wow. I I know. Now, OU might have an easier schedule than a couple of those other teams, but that's pretty high praise from from DraftKings putting OU at 11. Higher over under than Georgia, who won the Natty last year. What is, so what is Georgia? Georgia's 10.5. Wow. Imagine that. Imagine sitting here on November 29th, Tyler, and making yourself believe that Oklahoma's over-under on wins was going to be higher than the team that was going to win the national championship in 2022. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I would have believed you, but I'm not touching 11. Woo! That is a, that's, a, that's a pretty big number for sure. All right, that'll do it for Locked In. The Rush coming up next live from Newcastle Casino. Keep it locked on the ref.